0: They all ask me how I'm doing I just smile and realize That although it was kind to me My youth is all behind me Now I'm on the losing side The losing side of 25
1: Good morning, good morning, sweet, beautiful Texas and beyond. Cable Smith welcoming everybody into the Lone Star Outdoors show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Losing side of 25 is the name of that one from uh, American Aquarium. Love that tune. And as someone who's now uh, closer to 40 than I am 30... (laughs) feel that losing side at 25 every day so life is short uh lost someone important to me here recently and uh, just wanted to say live every day to the fullest the older you get the more that i think that holds true so all you young guns out there that are chomping at the bit thank you for tuning in all of you more seasoned hunters and anglers (laughs) we'll call you Uh, thank you for being here as well It is great to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors and all that implies with you today, man, I'm not joking. What an amazing time of the year. The sand bass are running. The bass, the largemouth, the king of freshwater fish, uh, they're spawning all over the southern United States. We had a warm winter and we'll get into that more in depth on today's broadcast. Uh, Turkey season is right around the corner. It's going to open up in merely two weeks in the south zone uh, for all the Texas Thunder Chicken enthusiasts out there. Uh, So I'm excited about that. I'll be down there opening weekend. And I don't care what that damn groundhog said. It truly is springtime, no doubt about it. The dogwoods are blooming, and uh, that means the crappie won't be far behind the sand bass. So get out there, head out to your local creek that feeds into that big reservoir because... You'll find limits of slabs and sandies here uh, over the next few weeks, uh, even into the, uh, well, pretty much into April. So it's a good time to take a kid fishing. That is the truth. Anyway, we've got a great show lined up for you. You know what to do by now. Pour yourself another cup of coffee. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire because off the top, we're talking some spring largemouth bass fishing with our old friend Alton Jones, former Bassmaster Classic champ, current Elite Series angler. Alton truly uh, one of the gentlemen of pro bass fishing, and he'll give us not only his top five baits for early March, but also his thoughts on you know how a warm winter affects the spawn. Does it make the fishing better or worse? Uh, we'll get into all that, plus preview the upcoming Bassmaster Classic, which will be in Conroe, Texas. Here on March the 24th through the 26th. So we're jacked up about that. Uh, Then uh, we will shift gears. Talk a little wild game cooking with award-winning chef, blogger, and author Hank Shaw. A longtime friend of the show. We'll talk smoking venison roast. uh, What to do with those leftover duck breasts that are about to get freezer burned in your freezer. Uh, Also quail. Even rabbit, all of that is on the menu for today, so to speak. So, looking forward to having Hank join us for a couple segments. Uh, we'll wrap up today's broadcast by checking in with our old pal Mark Boardman from Vortex Optics. There is a brand new dual-purpose optic that I cannot wait to add to my repertoire, uh, especially as someone who likes to hunt the backcountry. If I if I told you that you could combine your rangefinder and your binos into one unit wouldn't you want to take advantage of that hell i do that's for damn sure especially when you're counting every ounce loading up that backpack for a seven-day trek into the backcountry. Uh, so we'll get into the new vortex fury as well as uh, some other stuff and also hit on that great victory we had defeating hr 621 i know the guys from vortex are excited about that as they should be and so are we uh, so mark will be here and we'll talk some optics coming up at the bottom of the hour. So that's what's on the docket for today. It's going to be a good one, no doubt about it. A couple other things to mention our March Photo of the Month contest is now open. Send in your best hunting or fishing photo to lone star Show at gmail.com. Better yet, post it on our Facebook page wall or use the LSOS Photo Contest hashtag on Instagram for a chance to win a Mossberg pump-action turkey shotgun. Uh, I'm not exactly certain of the model, uh, but Linda Powell from Mossberg will be here next week. We'll talk some turkey hunting, and she'll provide more details on that. But this month's grand prize is a camoed-out pump-action turkey shotgun from Mossberg. So get those photos in, and then our 12 monthly winners will square off at the end of the year for a chance to join me. On a Trophy Axis Steer or Black Buck Hunt down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. Uh, So another great grand prize brought to you by Coons Canyon Ranch. Um, Okay, let's do a quick giveaway. We're celebrating Texas Independence Week. We're celebrating it all week. Even though it was on Thursday, we're still riding high celebrating our independence from Mexico all the way back in 1836. So here's what we're doing. If you can name the artist and song of any tune that you hear on today's broadcast, you text it in to 214-289-7807. That's 214-289-7807, and you could win a Lone Star Beer camo cap. They sent me like a hundred of these things in honor of Texas Independence Week. So we're going to give some away. Be paying attention to the music this morning, and you could win a Lone Star Beer branded camo cap let's take a break we've got a lot to get into up next we're talking some well i'd say pre-spawn as that's what it should be but it's actually full-on spawn right now and we'll rip some lips with elite series pro alton jones after the break right here on the lone star outdoor show Hey, y'all, Cable here for 3Curl Outfitters. And whether you want to bow hunt hogs or get after them with thermal imaging and night vision, under the cover of darkness, 3Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean, just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields. Or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand and wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, 3Curl.com, to book your next hog hunt.
0: I'm Craig
2: Boddington.
3: And we put our lives down in the water And waited for the fish to bite Yeah, we talked about God and talked
1: about a little There's times we would talk all night Well, you know, if you didn't have time Cable Smith, welcome everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoors day show. To Remember, uh, today is uh, Name That, that Tune-themed the edition of the show. Our friends over at Lone Star Beer sent me God, probably 100 camo Lone Star Beer branded caps. So, name the uh, the title and the artist of every song that I play coming in and out of commercial break. So, that's actually 10 hats will be given away today. First person to text in the name of the song and the artist will win the Lone Star Beer camo cap each segment. Uh, and by the way, the text line, of course, always 214 289. Seven eight zero seven. Of course, I also want to say thanks to our title sponsor, Dallas Safari Club. Uh, we wouldn't be here without their support. Uh, this segment of the show is actually brought to you by DSC, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. We'd love for you to get plugged in with this great group of folks who are passionate about hunter education, hunters' rights, and conservation. And you can find out more info on becoming a part of DSC. By visiting our website at biggame.org. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and talk a little fishing here. We had a just an incredibly warm winter. That means the largemouth spawn is probably going to be early. But hell, there are a lot of folks out there way more qualified than I am to break it all down for us. And so it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show a longtime friend of ours and the pride of Central Texas, former Bassmaster Classic champion and current Elite Series angler. Alton Jones, thanks for being here, old friend. Hey, thanks, Cable.
2: It's my pleasure to be on today.
1: Well, the pleasure's all mine, Alton. And and first of all, you know, as Baylor fans, I know you're a big BU guy as well. It's been an an interesting year for us, to say the least. (laughs) But at least our basketball team is doing quite well.
2: Yeah, our basketball team looks great. Actually, both of them, both the women's and the men's, look fantastic this year. Uh, And, you know, incidentally, head basketball coach Scott Drew – is one of my good fishing buddies. I I have the pleasure uh, several times a year of sharing the boat with him and so uh, it's always fun to see your friends have success.
1: Oh yeah, and we've had coach Drew on the show and he always mentions how fishing with Alton is his escape route, to, uh, you know, to get away from the pressure and the, and the daily grind of coaching division 1 basketball.
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny cuz when when we fish together, all I want to talk about is basketball and all he wants to talk about is
1: fishing. <laughs> right on. Well, Alton, let's go ahead and talk a little fishing. I mean, the Elite Series has had two events so far this year. Uh, you've done very well, you know, off to a good start, a top-20 finish at the first event, and then not quite as strong on Okeechobee last week. But overall, a, a fairly strong start to the season.
2: Yeah, it's been a good start. My, my finish at, at Okeechobee was 75th. You know, and it's it's funny looking at those, because if you'd have, if you'd have told me before the season started that I was going to have a, a 19th and a 75th, which where were you going to finish nineteenth? I'd have said I won't finish nineteenth at Okeechobee, and I'll finish seventy fifth at Cherokee. And it turned out exactly the opposite. You know that's just, just goes to show you how fishing is sometimes.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's always like that for me. But hey, that's why I talk about it, and you actually do it for a living, uh, Alton. You guys are going to take a break though, as far as the Elite Series, because coming up March twenty fourth through the twenty sixth, Bassmaster Classic, is coming to Texas, baby, Lake Conroe. And with the classic being later, uh, this year than it typically is, I think it's usually in February, I'd expect that we're going to see some pretty big fish come out of that lake.
2: You probably will see some really big fish. It, it wouldn't have matter, you know, actually you'd have probably seen bigger fish if, if it had been a February classic, like we've been having the last few years. Um, typically February and early March are when your biggest fish of the year are caught, um, my, my, one of my fears is this year we're so late, uh, or we're really not that late, but the, the, the winter that hasn't arrived yeah. has has allowed these fish to start spawning sooner than normal. and uh, So, you know, I think a lot of the fish that would have been double digits are going to be, you know, a little bit under that. They'll still be big fish, but, you know, we're, we're going to have definitely some post-spawn uh, fishing going on as well as some late spawners. But, uh, uh, you know, there will be some fish that are done.
1: Well, once again, we're visiting with former Bassmaster Classic champion Alton Jones, our longtime friend, elite series angler. And Alton, um, guy I'd be looking out for for this classic is Keith Combs. He's fared very well on Conroe in the past.
2: Yeah, Combs is always a force anywhere in Texas, especially Conroe. You know, um, before he fished the elites, he was a, a terror on the, the local Texas uh, team, tournament, tournament trails. Uh, you know, from Bass Champs to uh, you name it, whatever. Um, and he, he has a lot of history on on Conroe. But I, let me say this. His, his best history on Conroe is more summertime. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to be a big player for us in the springtime as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, in the summertime there, it's really about knowing the brush piles and where they are and having access to a lot of them. Uh, and, and that type of water, in my mind at least, really isn't going to play big for a March event. So, I, you know... I guess what I'm saying is local advantage um, is kind of evened out just by the time of year that we're fishing the Classic on Conroe this year.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, let me ask you this, Alton, as far as the weigh-in. Lake Conroe is probably an hour from Minute Maid Park where the Astros play, where the weigh-in will be held. Houston traffic is a pain in the rear. Do you think that's going to be a player as far as keeping those fish alive as you guys haul butt to get to the weigh-in?
2: be a pain for all of us but um we're used to making those long hauls you know uh, when i won in greensboro it was a solid hour drive uh last year in tulsa our drive was at least an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes to and from the lake so um it, in that regard it won't be too much different than what we're used to uh, you know the waters are, are fairly cool this this time of year so fish care shouldn't be an issue and you know with with our, our modern bass boats you know my skeeter has live wells that uh at current water temperatures that they'll keep keep bass alive for days and so you know, we'll be able to get get their weight in and get all those bass returned uh, safely back to lake conroe no problem
1: okay so you're not concerned about it that's good
2: hey one, one more comment on that you know when we're when we're going a long way and especially in traffic a lot of times bass will work it out with uh, local law enforcement so that when we're headed from the lake to the weigh-in that we may actually have a, a police escort uh so that so that we can you know zip right through the red lights and Zip around the traffic and that sort of thing. So hopefully they'll have that force this year as well.
1: Okay. Well, Alton, just looking at the uh, list of anglers who qualified for the Classic this year, I see your name here, and then uh, I think there's a typo because you're listed twice. Oh, there's like a Alton Jones Jr. name on here as well.
2: Yeah, that's just a typo. They've got my name on the list twice. <laughs> um, so I'm really, too uh, No, no, seriously, my son did qualify for the Classic this year, and that's one thing that's going to be um, really fun. He goes a long way, and thinking outside the box, you know, is figuring out some things that maybe the fish haven't seen before, he really excels
1: at that. Now, obviously, we had a little uh, disturbance there as far as our clarity, our connection is concerned, but uh, Alton said, you know, obviously his son, Alton Jones Jr., qualified for the Classic this year, so they'll be fishing against each other. How cool that is for a father. Uh, I can only imagine. Now, how old is little Alton now?
2: He's 24. He'll actually be 25 right after the I, right after the
1: classic. Well, uh, I know you're extremely proud, as you should be, to see your son following in your footsteps. Uh, Alton, let's talk about this spring spawn. We had an incredibly warm winter, something as a, you know, a passionate waterfowler I absolutely hate to see. Uh, and then, uh, when you talk about bass fishing, it has a profound effect on that as well. I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing, to be honest with you, though. Uh, but I do imagine that you know if they're not already spawning fish will be on the beds very soon throughout much of Texas and the southern part of the United States
2: you know even even in a normal year around Texas yeah. you typically see spawning fish show up around the first part of March yeah. um uh, and and so this is this is normal but I, I'm going to say around central Texas anyway we've probably already had fish on beds for a couple of weeks which is a little bit early um you know the having a warm winter is kind of a blessing and a curse for the it kind of tends to throw the entire year fishing off in my opinion even the summertime fishing won't be quite as good uh after a warm winter as it would have been after a cold winter you know to, to for bass to really set up in seasonal patterns you one thing you've got to have is some seasons and and when you miss that winter um just just let's take right now for example the spawn and If it had been really cold and we'd had some cold weather for the last month and a half leading up to the spawning season, when it finally got warm, those females would have been about to burst, and they would have all flooded the banks at the same time, and you'd have these massive, massive waves of spawning fish coming to the shallows, whereas this year, they can just kind of trickle in as they feel like it. You know, it hasn't really been weather-related. The the water's been warm enough for a month uh, across most of Texas. And that's what they're doing. So you'll you'll see the spawn drag on for a longer time. Um and, and the reason that affects the summertime patterns is because you know, if if all the big waves come to spawn at the same time, they kinda finish at the same time and they all head to deep water at the same time for the summer pattern. Whereas this year they're gonna just kinda trickle out to to summer patterns after they trickle off the beds, you know, so um, it, it, it just leaves fish more scattered more different things going on at the same time um, and it means there's more options that we as fishermen have to look at uh, when we fish during these warmer years.
1: Well it just seems so weird that we're talking about you know March 24th and it's going to be a predominantly post spawn pattern at this year's Classic
2: Yeah you're going to have, have a lot of fry garters yeah. but you're right normally, normally uh, then you, with this warm winter you're gonna have fish trickling through the spawn run into April and and uh, you know, probably through late April down in that part of the state even. But it's not gonna be a massive wave. Whereas if we'd have had a cold winter, I think I think they really tried to time Conroe based on an average where we were gonna hit it, it was gonna be dead on major spawn no matter what. And uh, you know, I think I think the weather, the winter or the lack of it, is kind of throwing a hitch in that. But Again, as a fisherman, I don't really mind that. It kind of evens the field out. Um, You know, being a Texas boy, uh, I kind of know what the fish do when you have these warm winters. And it gives me lots of different things to try. Uh, You know, so I'm I'm excited about it.
1: Okay, Alton. Uh, Well, let me ask you this. You know, here we are, early March, and we've had a very mild winter. What five baits? are you taking out of your tackle box first on any southern reservoir
2: i'm going to use the same bait for two of them i'm going to use a five inch yum dinger and a six inch yum dinger that's two of my five right there right. um what
1: color
2: anytime uh, i'm going to go with uh one of them's going to be green pumpkin and uh, the other one will do june bug. Okay. and i basically what i'm going to do is in the clearer waters i'm going to use more of a natural color like a green pumpkin if I'm a little bit dirtier water, a darker color like a June, June bug will uh, will be especially effective. Uh, and I'll be fishing them weightless and just uh, probably on a Texas rig. I prefer that to the wacky style most of the time, at least around the spawn.
1: Oh, shoot. I always get hung up with a wacky rig. I mean, yeah, you catch fish on it. It, it seems like a nice idea until you spend half your day trying to pull your hook out of a stump.
2: Little bit more of a finesse type rig and there's times um that you need to go with that light line and a, and a wacky type rig but this time of year i'm really not thinking much about finesse yeah. i'm expecting the fish to be uh fresh up out of deep water into the shallows and and pretty well eager to hit uh, whatever offerings i have on you know so a texas rig yumdinger is a pretty aggressive way to fish it like you said it allows me to throw it right in the thick cover yeah. uh you're going to make me name five of them I'm gonna to have to go with a with a. Uh, I'm gonna to have to throw a topwater in there, uh, believe it or not. Especially since we've had such a warm winter. I'm gonna go with a with a Super Spook Junior, and my color's probably gonna be nickel, which is just a solid silver bait, and it's it's a really good shad imitator this time of year, uh, and uh, especially on a on a warm sunny day, even in March, you're gonna have a lot of fish that are that will look up and hit a hit a hit a. Um, topwater bait like a a Zara Spook. So that's going to be number three. Number four, I'm going to use a Booyah Poppin' Pad Crasher Frog. And again, that's another topwater bait, but that's a topwater that I can skip under docks. I can put it right in the thick, uh, through thick uh, overhanging limbs. I can fish it through uh, vegetation along the shoreline. Uh, And uh, it's a way to get a really, really big bite this time of year. Um, And then for... Number five, uh, I'm gonna go with a, um, a, a probably probably a swim bait uh, would would probably be my my fifth bait for this time of year, and I'm gonna fish it uh, Texas rigged a, a yum pulse swim bait, and I'm gonna use a shad color like a pearl white's my favorite, and um, rig it with a, a Texas rig hook that's got the weight on the hook like a like an owner weighted beast hook, something like that. And just fish it swim it as slow as you can swim it and still make that paddle work, paddle tail work back and forth. And it's a good way to catch a big fish, especially in clear water.
1: All right, so there you have it, the first five baits out of Alton's Tackle Box this time of year. Uh, Alton, as we are wrapping things up, man, I just want to say the classic coming to Texas, it has been long overdue.
2: Yeah, you know, this in my career, this is the first time We've ever had a classic in Texas. I've, I've been fishing 26 years now. Yeah. And uh, so it, it's nice not to have to, when I load up my truck, I've only got to drive two hours instead of driving 20 hours. So this is, this is, this is and, and also it's going to allow me to fish a championship right here in front of, a, you know, my home state crowds And I hope to keep the hardware in Texas and, and make, make all us Texans proud.
1: Well, if you don't win it, uh, hopefully Junior will. So we'll be pulling for both of you.
2: Yeah, I hope so. I feel like I've got two chances to win, you know, with him fishing the Classic as well.
1: No doubt, no doubt. Well, proud dad indeed, as you should be. Uh, Alton, you're always one of our favorite guys to talk bass fishing with. Thanks for making time for us today, and we will see you out at the Bassmaster Classic here in a couple weeks.
2: Okay, Cable. I look forward to it, and uh, all y'all make plans to come to Houston, the Minute Maid Park, and be part of the Classic this year. I hope to meet as many of you as I can when I get there. God bless y'all, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
1: All right, there he goes. Former Bassmaster Classic Champ, Elite Series Angler, and truly one of the gentlemen of pro bass fishing, Alton Jones. And that segment, by the way, brought to you by the brand new Dam Fish Feeder. That's the Directional Aquatic Management Fish Feeder from All Seasons Feeders. The new Directional Air Drive Unit blows fish feet up to 60 plus feet. So It's really getting it out there. It's great for your bass, your crappie, whatever it is, your catfish you've stocked in your tanker pond. Check it out. It's the All Seasons Dam Fish Feeder with a 45-degree tilt to accommodate the slope of your pond dam. And you can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. Well, coming up next, we'll shift gears and talk a little wild game cooking with award-winning blogger, author, hunter, angler, Gardener, I mean you name it, Hank Shaw does it all So get ready to go through that deep freeze We'll take out some of that stuff that's starting to Maybe show signs of going south You know, a little freezer burn on the edges Don't throw it out because we're going to turn them into Culinary masterpieces up next On the Lone Star Outdoor Show in the bounty Of Texas Tonight Let us drink To those who marched that Road to Goliath Visit bobcatofdallas.com or call 469-586-0000.
0: Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger,
1: online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit
0: our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Colonel Travis, Davy Crockett, and
4: 180 more. Captain and Jim Bowie, present and accounted for. Back in 1836, Houston said
1: to Travis, get some volunteers and go. Fortify the Alamo, well, the Cable Smith, welcoming everybody Texas, back to the Lone Star Tennessee. Outdoor Show. Name that and Tune Edition. That's right. I'm not telling you the name of the any song me. we're playing this week. Uh, you guys and gals figure it out. Text it in to 214-289-7807. And you could win a Lone Star Beer Camo Cap as part of our Texas Independence Week celebration. Hope it was a good one for you and yours. Um man, we are rocking and rolling here want to say thanks to our title sponsor, Dallas Safari Club, as well as Lone Star Beer and Hoff. Power Polaris, our presenting sponsors, we're about to talk some wild game cooking uh, with our old friend Hank Shaw, uh, award-winning blogger, writer, and wild game culinary uh, expert, to say the least. I mean, he makes some incredible dishes. But before we do that, this segment of the show... Is proudly brought to you by Sendero Seed Company, Texas' premier seed company. They've got anything and everything you need to keep a happy and healthy whitetail herd, including the Dr. Deer-backed buck for Oats. Check them out at Cinderoseed.com or call Rob Hughes at 1-877-610-SEED-TODAY. All right. Um, well, let's go ahead and bring him on right now. He hails from a state that, uh, well... Let's just say there's still a few good folks living in California, I guess. Hank's living proof that the yuppies and hippies haven't kicked them all out yet. So, uh Hank, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Uh so first of all, how was hunting season while trying to work in a, a book tour this fall? It was kinda
4: interesting. I mean, I didn't get any any of the volume that I normally do, but I did manage to, you know, drop in here and there all over the country and get a, a bunch of really special hunts, like I got a chance to hunt myrn's quail for the first time. I got a chance to shoot sage grouse for the first time. Mm. So, you know, I didn't, you know, stack up a whole bunch of ducks or anything, but I did have enough of a hunting season to make me not go crazy.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, and and I assume the book tour went very well as as well.
4: It did. It's finally over, over, over. Yeah. You know, last weekend I finished it in Minnesota at uh, Pheasant Fest in in the Quail Classic in Minnesota. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm pretty stoked to be done.
1: Yeah. Well, and we the last time we spoke was like, I think you were getting everything lined up for that tour for uh, Buck Buck Moose, which was your latest cooking book. Yep. Yep. Um, which deals specifically with venison, whether that's antelope or elk, mule deer, whitetail, whatever. Um,
0: exactly.
1: A lot of great stuff in there. Um, go back to the uh, Mern's Quail, though. I, I reposted one of your pictures on Instagram. I think we have some of those. I know we have some in far west Texas, in the Trans-Pecos, but their population is so few that we don't even have like a legal hunting season for them. But my goodness, Probably. what a yeah, what a pretty bird! They're
4: sort pretty of pretty a bird. Mexican quail actually, mm-hmm. and then then they just sort of tip up into that that one little piece of Texas, the real, the southern edge of New Mexico and the southeast corner of Arizona. That's really, and then of course they're, they're all over the place in Mexico.
1: But mm-hmm. where were you hunting them?
4: In southeastern Arizona, um, south of a town called in near near Patagonia, Mm -hmm. but literally on the fence. Hmm. It was crazy. Like, we're hunting around and we're doing this thing. Like, oh, let's go to this other spot. And then we just go to this other spot and there's this big giant fence. I'm like,
1: oh, (laughs) that's Mexico. (laughs) Uh, Right. Right. Okay, cool. I'll be looking forward to seeing what you come up with as far as preparing dishes with those myrnge quail. let me ask you this though. Let's get a little culinary here. Um, in your honest opinion, what venison is better between whitetail and mule deer? And I, I'm only asking because I just got my first mule deer back from the processor. Um, and you might think that that's lazy. No, I do not do all my own processing <laughs> myself. I do some of it. You know, last hog I shot, I did it all myself. But uh, I'm not going to wag my finger at anybody. As I'm starting to work for this mule deer. Is there a noticeable difference in taste, or anything that I need to be aware of, or is you know is it pretty comparable to whitetail?
4: See, I think the differences between mule deer and whitetail are overrated. Mm-hmm. I think that a generic mule deer and a generic whitetail are pretty much the same. Now, there are plenty of differences individual to individual. So there's really, I think the the short way to put it is the species difference is not nearly as important as the age difference or the diet difference.
5: Mm-hmm. So,
4: you know, if you're shooting mule deer where it's sagey and, and it's it's rough country versus, you know, a kind of morbidly obese, you know, farm-raised alfalfa-eaten whitetail, <laughs> well, that's not really the whitetail versus the mule deer. That's the fact that their their diet is totally different. Right. And likewise, if you shoot a big wall-hanger mule deer, you know, 5 by 6 or whatever,
5: mm-hmm.
4: and you shoot... A button buck or whitetail buck, you know, that's not even the same animal. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people make much ado about the species, and it's really more of a question of diet and age. Okay.
1: Well, yeah, and going back to the diet, so about four or five years ago, I shot my first pronghorn, and I shot it out in West Texas, which uh, out there where I was hunting in the panhandle, Well, it's not really West Texas. Trans-Pecos would be West Texas, but in the panhandle, Northwest Texas, let's say, uh, it's all ag fields that these antelope Mm -hmm. basically live in, and that's what they eat. Winter wheat uh, was what they were feeding on when I was there. People, not knowing where I was going hunting, were like, oh my gosh, that that antelope's going to taste nasty. It's going to taste like sage. Oh my gosh. It was phenomenal. It was some of the best venison I've ever eaten in my life. And oh, yeah.
4: I mean, and I will tell you this. I've shot antelope in the sage, and they are just as good. Hmm. Okay. I mean, it's one of those things where this is another thing. Everyone's like, oh, antelope tastes nasty. Well, I'll tell you what makes, tastes nasty is when three or four of us get together and we shoot antelope, which usually happens. Uh-huh. It's usually a bunch of guys hunting antelope. I, I can't tell you how many times I have seen, say, you and me shoot antelope in the morning, and then our third buddy can't shoot the side of a barn. Yeah. So it's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon by the time he gets one. Well, okay, now we start gutting them.
5: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I see that
4: all the time. It's like, well, I wonder why my antelope doesn't taste good. Well, duh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been rotten in its, in its paunch for, you know, five hours in, in warm weather. Mm-hmm. Because most antelope hunting is in warm weather.
5: Yeah, yeah.
4: So, again, it's like people project the species on it when it's really field care in that case.
1: hmm Okay. Um, well, going back to that mule deer. I did get some different cuts done. I, I typically, you know, do the back straps, tenderloins. I get some chicken fried, and then they this place really specializes in in uh, sausage, all kinds of sausage, and meatloafs and meatballs, all this other stuff. But I wanted to For get. Are the some, Germans? Uh, no, I think they're probably Italian. I don't. Oh, I don't okay. Know. Cinnamon That's Creek cool. Ranch. Um, but everyone knows Joe over there. Uh, uh, the last name's hard to say, <laughs> but I think it's Mustaccio. So that sounds Italian. Yeah. But, and they do a lot of Italian sausage. Anyway, uh, I got some different cuts, like the tip roast, and uh, I was wondering what inspiration you could give me to work with that cut specifically.
4: Well, a, a nice, clean roast like that, because that's what that is. It's a, it's a roast of pretty much only one muscle. Um, you can do all kinds of stuff with that, because you're now freed from having to pot roast it because there's so many different muscles in the roast. Mm-hmm. When, when you have sort of cross-cut roasts, where there's four or five different muscle groups or pieces of muscle groups in the in the roast, right? We have to get over. You have to defeat that that connective tissue. Well, with your what what you're, what you're talking about, it's all one muscle.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: So you can just cook it. You can cook it medium rare, the whole thing, and then slice it like a like a roast beef. Okay. Now one one cool way to do it is to. Do you have a smoker?
1: I do. Oh yeah.
4: To kind of do the reverse sear thing, but only with the smoker. Mm-hmm. So you rub it in salt and whatever spices you want on the outside, and then you smoke it until the interior temperature is about 120. Hmm. So mostly mm-hmm. cooked, but not quite there. And then you sear the heck out of it on a hot grill. Or, in, or you know, you can do it in a frying pan, too, if it's raining mm-hmm. out. But so you've you've got it mostly cooked all the way and super smoky, and then you finish it with a nice crust and a sear on the outside. Man, is that good.
5: That That's, sounds awesome.
4: Smoke, smoke roasted venison roast. It's simple.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: It's really, I mean, it's not like you need a million ingredients. It's just a really good technique.
1: Oh yeah. Well, and to be honest with you, I got that smoker about two years ago, and I feel like I'm cheating on my grill every time I cook something because. I,
4: really, I mean. <laughs> well, you I, can you can reconcile the two by yeah. uh, by giving giving the beast <laughs> something to do.
1: No doubt. Yeah, I actually smoked a uh, wild boar shoulder last night and I mean smoking is the way to go there's no doubt about it uh, Hank there's a lot more I want to get into as far as taking some of those other animals that we've harvested throughout the season maybe it's a uh, puddle ducks or you've got some whole quail in uh, in the back of the freezer there whatever the case let's go ahead take a break here and when we come back let's thaw those bad boys out and see if we can't tantalize our audience's taste buds just a little bit more Sound good yeah absolutely. Perfect. And that segment, by the way, brought to you by John X Safari's a second generation safari outfit located on South Africa's Eastern Cape. I'm heading over there July 26th. Man, it's coming up right around the corner. Love to have you join me. I've still got two spots left for the Lone Star Outdoors show trip with John X Safari's kudu, warthog, impala, bushbuck, you name it. We're going to be hunting all of them love for you to join me on the trip of a lifetime. Shoot me an email at Show at gmail.com if you're interested in joining me on the adventure of a lifetime. We all don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more from wild game aficionado Hank Shaw right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show.
3: See the big man cry, mama. That's what I heard him say. See the big man cry,
1: Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's G-O-I-N-Fencing.com.
5: Hi, I'm Jim Shockey, and you're listening to Lone Star Outdoor Show. Baby, if you're unlooking, we can burn the night like a wildfire. Just a couple refugees hiding in each other for a little while.
1: All right, Cable Smith, welcoming each and every one of you back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club, thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff. Power Polaris, don't forget to text in the name of the uh, artist and song as we are coming in and out of commercial breaks today, celebrating our Texas heritage uh, with Texas Independence Week this week. We're offering up a Lone Star Beer camo cap to the first person to text in the author and song. Um, so. is the number if you know the name of that tune. Uh, We're all set to resume things here with award-winning wild game author and blogger Hank Shaw. But before we pick it back up with our old buddy, this segment of the show is brought to you by Iota Outdoors. Based out of College Station, Texas, Iota Outdoors continues to push the envelope with their precision shooting technological advances like the brand new Crux Custom Rifle Stock. Uh, we're actually giving one away <laughs> this week, so I want to tell you all about that as well. Uh, go to our Facebook page, like the post, share the post, like IOTA Outdoors page. You'll be entered to win the brand-new Crux rifle stock, weighing in at only 27 ounces. It's perfect for the backcountry, and it's perfect for you. It could be yours. Just go to our social media outlets, follow the instructions, and you could win a new Crux rifle stock valued at 530 bucks from IOTA Outdoors. All right let's go ahead and bring him back on. Uh, Hank, we appreciate you sticking around through the break. Let's dig in to some stuff that's been sitting in the back of my freezer. Probably a lot of folks out there are in the same boat, but I've got some puddle ducks, some whole quail, uh, things of that nature that uh, I need to get working on. So as far as those breasted out puddle duck breasts, you know, mallards, gadwall, wigeon, teal, so on and so forth, pintail, uh, probably not spoonies (laughs) because... Those went in my diver pile. Uh, But as far as those other delicious morsels, uh, what is your favorite thing to do with those? And keeping in mind, you know, you got to dumb it down for us because all of us Texans, we don't have access to fresh moral mushrooms and seaweed uh, like you do up there in Northern California.
4: Could you imagine seaweed from, like, Galveston?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Dumb it down for us.
4: (laughs) Um, So... Either way, either if the if the if the breast meat has a skin on it or not, mm-hmm. um, you're going to always want to cook it just like a steak. All a duck breast is is a is a personal steak. Oh yeah. You know,
3: and if it's well if done duck you all might as like well chew on your steak. boot.
1: Oh, I mean, <laughs>
4: I, you know, I got, I was just at this convention last weekend and, you know, people were like, well, you can cook duck breast rare. I'm like, yeah. Oh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if you
1: cook them any other way, you've ruined it.
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it, I, I mean, to be honest, a good mallard breast with the skin on and a little bit of fat and, you know, you crisp that skin and then all it needs is really like salt, pepper, and lemon. Mm-hmm. I mean that said, you can go a million lemon, okay. different ways. I've
1: never used lemon on my on my waterfowl. Oh
4: yeah, something bright like that, like lemon or lime,
1: uh-huh.
4: or even just a splash of Worcestershire because that's got a lot of vinegar in it. Uh-huh. You know, something something that brightens it up. Okay, and, and this is this will work even if you don't have skin on your breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean obviously there's standard stuff like fajitas, um, Chinese food. Uh, my second book is called Duck Duck Goose. And as you might imagine, it is entirely dedicated to cooking ducks and geese. Right. So I have a whole section in there on how to make real deal Chinese food. And real deal Chinese food doesn't require a ton of crazy ingredients. Uh, it does require a very specific technique called velveting,
5: hmm. where
4: which is why if you've ever tried to make Chinese food at the house and it doesn't taste like Chinese food at the restaurant, this is why. Because you're not velveting.
5: Hmm. So what it's is just, that? It's basically
4: a marinade. Okay. So. Yeah, it's a marinade of typically soy sauce, white pepper. um, You know, sometimes a little bit of vinegar.
5: Hmm. But the
4: other piece to it is cornstarch, or potato starch, depending on which you want to use. Okay. And and you whisk that together so that it's a slurry, and then you cut your meat up into you know Chinese food pieces, Hmm. and you just you sort of work that slurry into the meat and let it sit while you're cutting all the other vegetables for a stir fry. Because if you've ever made a stir-fry, you know it comes together instantly. Oh, yeah.
1: Venison heart stir-fry. you got to have everything right. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
4: I mean, it's just, it's great because, I mean, it's, it's you know, you come home from work, put some rice on, listen to whatever it is that you're listening to, you know, make that marinade first thing. And by the time you cut all your, you know, onions or chives or some ginger and a little garlic and blah, blah, you know, I mean, you're done. Because I mean, mar- this marinade only has to take, like, 20 minutes.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: and that single step will make your Chinese food infinitely better. And it works great with skinless duck breasts.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I know, you know, and maybe it's the lazy man's way, but, uh, when, especially if you've gone out and really hammered them, I mean, you, everyone's limited out. It's, uh, plucking, you know, 24 ducks. If there's four of you is not what you want to do. So, uh, uh, let's be honest. A lot of ducks get breasted out like that. There's nothing wrong with it. I know. Um, I did smoke my first mallard this year and stuffed it with, uh, Ground elk, oh, that was awesome. Highly recommend. If nice. if you haven't plucked a duck before, which I know Hank, you you know done it forever, uh, but that was my first foray into it, and uh, I can't wait to uh, to pluck another one. To be honest with you,
4: yeah, sure. I mean, if you get big fat big fat birds, which you can get, especially by Amarillo,
1: mm-hmm.
4: um, if you get big fat birds, it's so worth it. And here's the cool thing about smoking them. So you so you plucked your big fat mallard. And you smoked it. A lot of times, the legs and the wings are not going to be real edible. But when the breast is perfect, Uh it'll still be tough. Oh yeah. Don't worry about it. You know, smoke it so that the breast meat is perfect. Cut the breast meat off. Eat the breast meat off. Well, what do you do with the rest of the duck? It is the single best base for a soup you've ever had.
5: Hmm. Think
4: of it like a giant ham hock. Okay. So basically, all you—I mean, you could seriously, you could throw it in with collard greens. And then by the time the you know the rest of the duck is is tender, your collards are done. So you just fish that carcass out and pull off. And you're going to pull off like a double handful of meat off of off of the rest of the smoked mallard, hmm. and then just throw that in with your collards or you know a soup or anything like that. Yeah. So you don't waste it. You know, you went through all this trouble to to smoke a whole duck. It's more than just the breasts, but but that's how you solve that problem of God, those legs were tough.
1: You mm-hmm. know. hmm Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you I, I, honestly. I started saving all of the uh, quail carcasses. So, you know, here, I've, we've, my wife and I have eaten quail for dinner. We've got four or five uh, whole quail carcasses. I started saving those, and then I make a stock with them, just boil the meat off of them, and mm-hmm. uh, end up making, like, quail tortilla soup is the last thing I did. Yeah, oh, that's
4: great.
1: Yeah, phenomenal. So, yes, anyway, like you are saying, save, save everything on the bone. Boil that down or, you know, however you want to get the meat off of there. Um, oh, yeah. So as far as quail though, uh, I saw what you did with the the Mern's quail uh, for the guys who've got and and oh my gosh we've had such great quail hunting in Texas the last two seasons that for the I first know, time know, in a it's long so great time <laughs> to see them back. yeah yeah it's great you know, and folks are starting to pile up some quail in their freezer you know it's a great feeling um, so what we, what can we do with those frozen ho- whole quail? Well I think
4: you know the, the thing about a small bird you know, especially a quail, because, you know, it's it's a quail, right? right. I mean, it's, and it's you not have like you're going to <laughs> have, yeah, you know, and it's, and you're not going to have like a whole big bag of quail legs. I mean, I suppose somebody probably does, but it's typically a bunch of whole quail. Well, the good thing is quail are basically the cottontail rabbits of the bird world. They don't live very long and they're, they're mild and they're tender. So I typically, even if I've got a whole quail, well, what I'll typically do is, is cut the backbones out of them. Mm-hmm. And because there's no, there's no meat on there anyway. yeah. You know, I mean, I'll collect them in a plastic bag and when I get a bunch of them, we'll make that stock that we've been talking about. But if you've got just the two, you know, how about like when you do that, you can kind of flatten them out and those legs will sit flat in the pan.
5: Right.
4: Um, it's it's a really, really great way to do it because when you, you can cook them in a pan that way, you can cook them on a grill that way. You can, you know, poach them that way. I mean, it's so... Unlike pretty much every other bird, once you cut those backbones out of quail, you can flatten them so that those legs will actually cook. Now, it won't work with a pheasant. It won't, doesn't really work with a chucker very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's one of those things where you can get enough heat on the legs. Because the, the legs tend to take about, I don't know, maybe five, ten minutes longer than the breast, but not yeah. much longer. So They really, the, 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 the it's endless. I mean... You can do Mexican food with them. You can do Chinese food with them. I mean, it's just, the quail are so incredibly versatile. I mean, I don't even know where I would begin to tell you what to
1: do. Well, I'll tell you one of my favorite things I did this year, and it was only because of the situation. So we're hunting in this these plum thickets in uh, the panhandle.
5: Mm-hmm. And
1: my buddy's wife is a big foodie, and she has a blog. Well, she had harvested those plums and made some plum jelly. And oh, yeah. she gave me a jar of it. And so when I, I grilled, you know, put some, some spices on the quail, grilled them, and then, you know, finished them off with a, uh, just like a butter and jelly, um, glaze that I made from that wild plum. Oh my gosh. It was just, it was cool. And I, that's like what you live for is how that, that process comes full circle. But, uh, for totally. me, that was pretty cool.
4: Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the thing. Oh, so one, one, one little tip, if you are going to grill uh, or roast your quail, Mm-hmm they do really benefit from brining. Uh, You don't really have to brine quail if you're going to cook them in a pan. But if you're going to roast it in an oven or put it on the grill, give it a couple hours in a brine. And I mean, it's just a simple brine. I mean, I use a quarter cup of, you know, kosher salt from the supermarket Mm -hmm. and a quart of water. That's my ratio. Okay. And you mix it. You don't even have to boil it because it'll mix right in. So dissolve the salt in that quart of water and throw your quail in there for not that long. I mean... Uh-huh. Eight hours is really as much as you ever want to put. Uh, I mean, I, I typically do four hours, mm-hmm. and it helps them retain a lot of moisture because quail are pretty delicate, and you don't want to really hammer them too much.
1: Oh, yeah. Because otherwise yeah.
4: you're like, man,
1: that was, it's like kind of like a boring chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's why, you know, sometimes you shoot them when they're 10 feet away from you. It's like reaction, and then it's like, oh, man. Oops.
4: <laughs> Picking feathers out of that.
1: Just seeing if you can salvage something out of that deal.
4: Well, yeah, you know, that happens. That happens with all upland game bird hunting. And if it does, and you know what I usually do? I skin that bird, clean it up as best I can, and then um, if it's really been shot, I use that. As, I put that in a stock bag. Uh-huh, yeah. Like, it'll add a lot of flavor to a stock because it's been, you know, sort of cheesed already. But it's got a lot of meat on it, yeah. so. Yeah,
1: yeah well let's uh let's change it up and talk about some stuff folks are still hunting Uh, jackrabbits cottontails but okay everyone likes cottontails uh they're delicious hares and jackrabbits and i've cooked them and i've cooked them on the grill not my favorite that was your problem oh my oh yeah well (laughs) i didn't ever do it again uh but lately i've been seeing and you posted one on instagram recently one of my friends cooked a jackrabbit in some kind of french dish that When it comes to jackrabbits, I guess that's the key is just cooking it for hours and hours until it's fall off the bone tender?
4: Yeah. I mean, the thing about it, so first of all, let's get this straight. A jackrabbit is nothing more than a hare. Mm -hmm. And so when you look through on the Internet or in cookbooks recipes for hares, you'll see tons and tons and tons of them from Europe. Uh, You'll see a, a bunch of them from some other parts of the world. But, I mean, Europeans are big into hares. And so that is just a jackrabbit. It's a different species, but they'll they'll translate directly. And a jack is always going to be red meat and a cottontail is white meat. So a so the way to think about it is a is a cottontail is to a jackrabbit what a dove is to a pigeon.
5: Hmm.
4: So they're really similar. One's bigger than the other. One is One's survival strategy is let's make as bu- as many babies as we can, and maybe some of them will survive a year to have more babies.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: So, but, it, but pigeons don't do that, and jackrabbits don't do that. Both pigeons and jackrabbits spend more time raising their young because they so that they live longer. So, what does that mean in the kitchen? So, if you've both with pigeons and jackrabbits, they live longer. It's not uncommon to shoot a three or four year old jackrabbit who's who runs every day because everything wants to eat him. Right. And so he's going to be tough, you know? Um, now, there is a way to age a, 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 a jack, um, which is called a leveret. I love that word. Hmm. It's L-E-V-E-R-T. It's like a, I don't know, it just means a young guy, jack jackrabbit. So obviously if he's little, that's the easiest one. Uh, another one is if you're not entirely sure, take his ear. And if you can tear his ear, he's young. And another way is his teeth will be whiter. Old jackrabbits have has kind of gnarly looking yellow teeth. And younger jackrabbits, it's still kind of white. No,
1: just like a So,
4: it's a huge difference. So you can actually, you can actually chicken fry uh, a, a young, a young of the year jackrabbit, but an older jack, even just a, you know, a two year, yeah, you got to braise it. But it's <laughs> good. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the meat. The meat is is disturbingly like venison. Like it's not. Like I've eaten beavers. I've eaten muskrats. I've eaten other sort of dark meat things, um, and they're they're not venison. They're you know they have their own flavor to them jackrabbit is really really very mild once it's braised hmm. but you just can't you know don't think you're going to be able to chicken fry a jackrabbit and be able to keep your feet.
1: yeah yeah well I, I love to cook and you know we have so many jackrabbits in texas that usually i just i never even think about shooting them after that one time on the grill experience uh so yeah it because, well, what was it uh, you
4: were chewing for hours
1: <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i think i'm still chewing on them Yeah, you know, years later
5: <laughs> uh
1: but yeah, I mean, you've inspired me to to uh, to braise the next one I come across, so I appreciate that. Uh, what yeah, was I'm that? gonna have the, a whole section
4: uh, of Jackrabbits in Jack Rabbit's my next book.
1: Yeah, well, so this one, this recipe that I'm thinking of was in some kind of tomato sauce with uh, lemon and something else. Looked, I mean, like yeah, the meat was yeah, already yeah, falling off the bone.
4: Yep, it's a Greek recipe, uh-huh. and uh, and so the Greeks eat a lot of hares. Hmm. So I guess they're running around and you know, in Greece all the time, so we make advantage of them, so it's, it's kind of a cool place to, to look for inspiration.
1: Right. Um, so, your next book, you mentioned, will be coming out when?
4: Well, the goal is to have the next book out for turkey season next year.
1: Okay, right on, so twenty eight, spring 2018.
4: Yeah, and that's going to cover quail, rabbits, squirrels, um, you know, all the upland birds and all the small game.
1: Well, cool, well, we'll definitely have you on uh, leading up to that and a little more in detail, uh, in depth yeah. there. Uh, let me ask you one more thing and just kind of wrapping wrapping up here today. Have you ever eaten Bobcat? Because we tried it, oh gosh, around Christmas, went out. Uh, oh, you know, you, you know Sean from uh, South Pond Outdoors?
4: Yeah, uh, Sean Callahan.
1: Uh, Sean, yeah. So he came down to Texas and went on his first feral hog hunt with myself and uh, an outfitter buddy of mine around Seymour, which is, I guess, halfway between Dallas and Lubbock. Um, gotcha. and anyway, I ended up shooting a Jack or a, not jackrabbit, a, a Bobcat on the first sit
5: mm-hmm.
1: and well, it was a pretty Bobcat, but you know, I basically just shoot predators on site most of the time. Gotcha. And, uh, we're like, well, we're not going to mount this one, so let's eat it. And we put a back strap on the grill. Not very good. I'm not going to lie. It was like, uh, something that none of us had ever tasted. We all tried a bite of it. We're like, Oh, that's pretty strong. Uh, but then <laughs> we put we we uh we put some in the uh, crock pot uh, with a uh, a beer and a bottle of barbecue sauce and you know pretty just uh, basic stuff. Let it slow cook for eight hours. When we got back after we were so we were thermal hunting, we got back around to the lodge like around one a.m. I think.
4: Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Made a
1: bobcat barbecue sandwich with pickles and onions. It was pretty damn good. I'm not gonna lie.
4: Yeah, you know I. Um... It's funny. I that's not something I have any experience with. Right. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a predator hunter very much, so mm. I haven't shot one. And now I have I run a, a Facebook forum called Hunt Gather Cook, mm. and it's basically it's, it's it takes all kinds on that forum. And every you know I don't know two or three months somebody will come up with it, and there'll be a big long thread on bobcat eating. <laughs> and right. apparently they can be made to taste good. And the one thing I will tell you, if you're out there thinking about cooking a bobcat, is that um, like all predators, they can be heavily parasitized. Mm. So cook them thoroughly. Uh, yeah. Do not cook medium rare cat or dog of any kind.
1: Yeah, big carriers of trichinosis. Yeah, for sure. So go, yeah, you gotta you can't cook those to medium rare. Uh uh-uh. Right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I I do not recommend for anyone out there listening uh, that uh, you shoot a bobcat with the intent of saying, "Hey, this is going to be great on the table." Because while you can make it an edible, old joke with these yeah.
4: these two mountain men are looking at each other and they're sitting over a fire and the guy and one guy says, no, the cat was pretty good. It's the bob part I'm having a problem with."
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Hank, while we're going through our freezers here. Uh, kind of taking inventory of all the stuff that we've we've got saved up over uh, the fall hunting. And and even going back from me, uh, I was making room for that mule deer, and I came across some speckled trout from the Texas coast that I'd caught back in July. And I luckily, you know, I saved them well enough uh, to where there wasn't much freezer burn on them, if any at all, and I made some, uh, actually some trout bisque soup the other day. But I was going to ask you, what is the life inspe- expectancy of, of fish in the freezer? Because it's a lot different than than other meat.
4: It is. It, uh, the life expectancy of fish in the freezer kind of depends on the, the temperature of water it came out of and how fatty it is. Okay. The fattier the fish, the shorter the shelf life, and the colder water the fish came from, the shorter the shelf life. So, like a flathead catfish, vacuum seal probably lasts 18 months. Mm-hmm. but you know, a fatty salmon from Alaska, six months on the outside. Because, I mean, it'll still be safe to eat, mm-hmm. but it gets fishier and fishier and fishier the older it goes. Right. Um, I right. really try not to keep anything in the freezer more than nine months. Uh-huh. For fish. And that's vac- that's vacuum sealed.
1: Right. Yes,
5: fish. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, hey, Hank, if you want to uh, give us your website and all your social, uh, social media outlets so folks can follow along with your adventures and, and your recipes.
4: Sure. Uh, my website is Hunter Angler Gardener Cook. It's huntgathercook.com. And uh, I've written three different cookbooks, which are all on Amazon.com. And uh, my name is Hank Shaw. and I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of good stuff. So right I, I'm, I'm easy to find.
1: Well, we certainly appreciate the conversation, brother.
4: All right. Thanks a lot.
1: Well, so there he goes one of my favorite wild game chefs, Hank Shaw. I uh, hope you all enjoyed that. Be sure to follow along on his accounts. I mean, he's always posting incredible dishes. And y'all know I like to cook, so uh, that's saying something because Hank uh, definitely provides inspiration for me in the kitchen. Uh, That segment was brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my trophy mounts for, well, it's been too long to even remember. A long time, and there's a reason for that. I've been burned by dishonest and crappy taxidermists in the past. So when I found Josh and Becky... And they did that first mount for me. Not only was the work impeccable, but so was the turnaround time. And they answered the phone when I called. So here we are years later, and that relationship has only furthered. They'll do the same with you. Guarantee it. And you can find all their work right there at gr8mounts.com with locations in Marion and San Antonio, Texas. That's gr8mounts.com. Let's knock out a quick break. When we come back, an old friend from Vortex Optics joins us. Mark Boardman will be here. We'll get into the latest and greatest from Vortex and uh, reflect on his past hunting season. I'll tell you what, there's one product that I am really looking forward to getting my hands on. I think you will be as well. Mark will tell us all about it next, right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show
0: my wings seeing everything finally some light at the end of the tunnel On the comeback landed on my feet who am i kidding hey north texas sports fans this is brian spagnola general manager of texas motorcars in addison my family's been in the car business for over 50 years and i want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles, and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at one 888 9 Motors.
1: Hey, y'all. Cable Smith here for Rudy's True Texas-Style Barbecue, where you can stop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner including the newest Rudy's in front of the Cabela's in Allen, Texas. Rudy's is open for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, so no matter whether you're coming in after a successful spring turkey hunt, maybe you spent the day out on the lake catching a limit of crappie. Whatever the case, drop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner and enjoy Rudy's true Texas-style barbecue.
5: I'm Henry I didn't realize this, and you're listening to my dad. I won't Lone Star Outdoor
1: It's a fiery is we're gonna make it. It's a tattered old flag that says, Come and take it. One of my all time favorite it's Texas tunes, bringing us back here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm Cable Smith. Uh, thanks to our presenting sponsors today Lone Star Beer, and as always, Hoff Power Polaris. Thanks to you guys and gals for tuning in as, uh, man, we are all set to talk some optics here with our old friend, Mark Boardman from Vortex Optics. They've got a product that, like I said earlier, I cannot wait to tell you guys and gals about, especially if you're a bow hunter. The amount of gear that we have to have is just incredible. So if you can limit that by combining two things into one, why wouldn't you, right? (laughs) We'll get into that next. First, though, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. Texas is all about family traditions, long-standing relationships, and bright futures. At Lone Star Ag Credit, they believe there's no better place to live. I agree with them. And as a cooperative that finances rural homes, real estate, recreational land, farm and ranch operations, and agribusinesses, Lone Star Ag Credit can help make your Texas-sized dreams a reality. Just visit lonestaragcredit.com to let them help you finance your piece of Texas today. All right, well, let's go ahead and bring on our next guest. He's a longtime friend of the show. We're a big fan of theirs. It's the glass that I trust uh, in the field day in and day out. I'm hell on my gear, and Vortex Optics stands up to the eternal beating (laughs) that I put it through so, it's my pleasure to welcome Vortex's VP of Marketing and our old buddy, Mark Boardman, back to the broadcast.
6: No, I appreciate it, Cable. No, it's always great uh, getting a chance to talk with you.
1: Yeah. We've got some some exciting stuff to get into as far as latest and greatest from Vortex. But first, uh, let's hit on uh, our win here for, for the hunting and uh, fishing community as far as keeping our public lands public. You know, you and I own them, and there are people out there who are trying to steal them from us. Uh, but we united and our voices were heard, and, and HR 621 got kiboshed.
6: Yeah, man. I mean, that was really great to see. You know, and, it, and it's such a it's such a big issue, and and such a big deal. And uh, you know, like you said, big win. Nice to see that. Um, you know, kind of come down. Uh, you know, and uh, essentially kind of before it was able to get going. But um, I tell rare. you what. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean I think uh you know big rally cry, you know, um uh you know BHA and the TRCP um you know definitely some some uh, very notable public figures uh, you know got the, and and everybody that you know cares about and is passionate about you know our public lands which they are, you know our public lands um you know our voice was heard and I think it showed you know how powerful we can be, and I think it's also uh an indicator of you know we need to be aware of these things we need to be to stay on top of them and and we need to uh you know not rest on our loyal, laurels and 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 speak up because um like you said, there's people that that do have intentions of of taking those things away they you know apparently they are not guaranteed you know I think it's easy and now I'm kind of getting on my soapbox here, but it's easy you grow if you grow up with public lands. You know, just kind of like anything that you have or are used to, you start to take it for granted. And, and I think it's, um, you know, we can't do that, and we need to fight for them.
1: Yeah. yeah. We had land from uh, backcountry hunters and anglers on the show. Kind of our, our mutual sentiment is that apathy is the greatest threat to the hunting and fishing community. There you uh, go. You know, I live in Texas, and we are very proud of our hunting heritage here. We don't have public land, per se. Sure. Uh, but if you talk to someone... Like, because I've interviewed people from California who, uh, who've had their rights taken away, and Texans listen to those interviews and like, wow, crap, that never happened in Texas. We're, you know, God, guns and Lone Star, you know. And they think that, that that's not the reality. And there's no doubt hunters are already the minority, and people think sure. that just because they live in Texas that they're immune to uh, to these people that are out there trying to take our rights away. And you know that apathy is is, is scary to me, to be honest. And so to see this kind of reaction, hunters and anglers unite so quickly, and uh, and really let uh, I guess it was Congressman Sheffitz or whatever his name is.
6: Sure, sure, uh, yeah.
1: Here, what we had to say was inspiring, and so we need to, we kind of just need to build on that momentum, and and I think it's pr- it's proof that uh, we can unite and uh, let let our voices be heard. So that was uh, truly inspiring, great stuff there. Oh. It
6: was. It was. It was great to see. You know, and you know, us. You know, we were kind of. Uh, you know, we were basically getting ready to get our, our engine revving pretty hard. You know, and related, related to that specific issue. And we we're gonna hit the go button and <laughs> and launch some momentum of our own. And it's. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, <laughs> you know, you kind of see this morning like, okay, I, well, we'll we'll save it for the next fight. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I had some social <laughs>
1: media posts ready to just tear into that guy. But yeah, no, it was great. It, it truly was a, a great win for uh the outdoor community, sportsmen and women. Okay, well, let's uh let's shift gears here and let's talk about some of the stuff that you guys released at Shot Show. Uh there's some things I'm really excited about. Uh specifically, um I I've, I've got the uh the Vortex Ranger uh rangefinder. Mm-hmm. You guys just put out released the Fury. Which is a uh, a combo, and I'm gonna let you talk about that because I gotta get my hands on one of these. Yeah, absolutely, definitely a product.
6: Um, we as a company and me personally, uh, extremely excited about. So, Fury HD range range finding binocular. Um, it's a 10 by 42. Uh, if a person is you know familiar with with the Vortex lineup of binoculars, I'd say. Um, size, ergonomics, uh as well as, you know, optical quality falls uh, right in line with the Viper HD binocular. So like uh,
5: um, That's what I have, yeah.
6: Yep, and so, you know, an excellent excellent binocular, high high quality optics and um yeah, with a integrated rangefinder. So, um ranges to 1600 yards on a reflective target. So, I'd say uh more than adequate for for most uh most rifle and bow shots in a hunting scenario um twist up eye cups you know um uh right side controls so all the controls are on on the right side of the optic as far as you know the uh uh you know uh, ranging uh you know and as as well as you know making adjustments to the to the brightness of the reticle It's a illuminated reticle uh in the uh in the right barrel of the optic um and it's got a reticle focus Uh, to sharpen it to a user's eyes, left eye diopter. So, I mean, a lot of the same features a person might be accustomed to uh, with a standard, you know, uh, high-quality binocular, but with the ability to, you know, to integrate that range finder. So um, a lot of functionality, you know, dual-purpose functionality. You're putting, uh, you know, essentially two units into one, so you have to carry fewer things in the woods potentially. You're always going to
1: have it ready on your chest, um, you know, and as oh, well yeah, as, you know, the convenience factor is, is something that's really attractive to me personally. Yeah. Not having yep. to carry to, I mean, not, not that it's like some, uh, huge burden to do that, but if you, you that's the thing, not only are you worried about weight when we're talking about backcountry hunting, uh, you're worried about space in your pack and to yep. have it all combined into one tool, um, is very cool. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and,
6: uh, there's just, you know, you know depending on the person um there's just a lot of a lot of advantages there you know and, and one another spot um that I see it having um a really solid place is is for outfitters or for or for people that are um you know if you're hunting with a client or you know with the um you know kind of the the, the rising trend of of you know uh you know being able to extend your effective hunting range, you know, taking those longer shots, the ability to call out those, those ranges in real time as as well as watch for an impact, you know. So if you and I were hunting together and I'm like, "Hey, he's at, you know, 540, 550, okay, he's at 600 yards. He just turned, you know, take him." Mm-hmm. You know, I I can call those ranges out for you. You can adjust your turret appropriately. And, you know, but I'm not having to transition to my binos uh, to watch for an impact, whether it was a hit, a miss, you know, high, low, maybe you got to adjust your wind call. Um,
1: You know, just, yeah,
6: just definitely a lot of advantages. Yeah.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. Okay. So cool. So that's the Fury. Uh, Also brand new, we've got the uh, Razor AMG and uh, I'll let you talk a little bit about this bad boy.
6: So, yeah, so the new Razor AMG UH-1 holographic sight, um, killer optic. I got to run that the other day, um, you know, and uh, burned down a lot of steel, <laughs> and uh, it, it was cool. So it, it's a holographic sight. Um, all of the con- critical components uh, are actually housed in the base of the optic, so that does two things uh it, it It keeps them uh incredibly protected right mm-hmm. for durability uh, as well as elements the need for a secondary shroud so it keeps the uh the optic nice and trim uh, you know keeps your sight picture around the optic uh you know uh, less obstructed so advantages there um, you got fifteen levels of of intensity uh daylight bright on the top end nv compatible on the low end um yeah, man what else i mean this thing is so cool I, I definitely suggest anybody who needs to top their ar and is looking for um you know uh kind of a cqb type weapon site they probably need to take a look at this new razor amg uh1 holographic um and for you guys i know you guys have a lot of pigs and oh, yeah. um and uh you know, uh, get in some fast shooting scenarios with potentially, you know, multiple uh, pigs to engage at a single time, I think you'd be hard-pressed to beat this one. Yeah, I think, it's all
1: about I that quick target acquisition. It is.
6: Yeah. It is, you know, and, and the reticle is just optimized for that. So just a lot of pluses, and I i haven't even been able to cover all of them, but uh, you can
1: probably tell by just my tone, like, something sure. we're really <laughs> pumped about. <laughs> Yeah, well, as far as the size, this is uh it's not a very big optic either. I mean it's uh pretty compact, uh which I like that. Um and then MSRP I think is 699 on it. Uh Yep. Yep. So, so
6: I think at retail is going to you know retail for right about 499, you know. So um a lot of performance um you know and and you know definitely you know I guess you know you know 500 bucks isn't necessarily something to scoff at but uh in the grand scheme of things I think uh there's a lot of value there at the same time yeah
1: well and then uh the other thing uh was the the uh Viper PST this is generation number 2 and uh so this line has been revamped and upgraded uh not that the other one was bad cuz I think I've got 3 of those in the gun safe but uh Talk about some of the uh, the new features on the uh, Viper PST
6: lineup. So, like you said, uh, you know the original PST was you know a phenomenal optic. I mean, probably one of the best-selling tactical scopes on the market. Now, um, <laughs> it really did well because it kind of hit a very sweet spot of being, you know, feature-rich, extremely durable, um, but but kind of hit a sweet spot as far as you know price goes to where. Um, you know, a lot of guys are getting everything they need but not having to kill themselves in their in their pocketbook. So this year, you know, we feel we've done the same thing with the Gen two PST um but and and enhanced a lot of those features. Um so the feature itself, you know, as far as you know what you might call it is the same, but it's just been enhanced. So um, still a thirty millimeter tube, um, exposed tactical turrets, but I'd say you know a little bit little bit beefier turret. Illuminated glass-etched reticles, move the uh, the illumination control from the eyepiece, integrated into the left side of the parallax. Easy to reach, streamlined, you know, can adjust it from the shooting position, 10 intensity levels with an off position between each. Um, a 5X zoom range, so uh, uh, you've got a, a 2 to 10, a 3 to 15, and a 5 to 25. Now, a, a caveat to that, though, is there's also, uh, within the series, there's a 1 to 6 by 24. So, mm-hmm. But, you know, again, if you're looking for an optic for your AR where you want, you know, essentially kind of like that red dot sight functionality on 1X, but you may need to engage, you know, medium range or extended range targets, you know, you can crank it up to 6 and, and, and reach out there a little bit more. So, um, oh, another big feature with, uh, you know, for, the, uh, for that series is we've integrated the r z r zero stop uh from the original Razer h d five to twenty by fifty, so um you know once you have that set, you know once you've got your scope dialed in um got it zeroed, you can set that so when you do dial elevation and you want to come back home, you've got a hard stop at your zero, which is definitely a a nice feature as well
1: oh yeah, awesome, okay, so cool so those are uh those are the three that um I'm really excited about uh and like i said. That fury, man. That's one that uh, that one sticks out to me. Is one that uh, I, I got to get here asap. So, Absolutely. Well, we'll yeah. <laughs> definitely try and
6: help out with that as, yeah. soon as
1: we're able here. So. Right on, brother. Well, hey, Mark. Always great stuff. Uh, again, we're thrilled about HR 621 getting defeated. Really, uh, like you said, y'all were loading your guns, getting ready to come full full force after that, and and so were we. But it got shot down before we ever even got the opportunity. So. Uh, we're excited about that. Uh, yep. Applaud hunters and anglers everywhere for coming together, and, absolutely, uh, and uniting because uh, we, we we do have a lot of power when we when we put our minds to it. So, um, well, hey, we'll do it again soon. And uh, I guess uh, try to catch up on some sleep. I know you're a little road weary. So, uh, thanks for jumping on with us. Sounds good. No, appreciate it,
6: Cable, and and uh, yeah, you do the same. Take care and and uh, good hunting out there. All right. Take it easy. All right, you too. Talk soon. Bye.
1: All right, so there you have it. Uh, some new products that uh, I'm really excited about. That that Razor lineup, uh, really cool stuff there. And, man, the Fury, are you kidding me? Uh, integrating the Ranger, rangefinder technology into a bad-to-the-bone pair of binos. Yeah, I'll take the two-for-one deal all day long, twice on Sunday. Anyway, I <laughs> hope you all enjoyed that one. Uh, good stuff with Mark Boardman, a buddy from Vortex Optics. Just looking at the clock here. We're out of time, folks. We got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to Mark, as well as our other guests today, Wild Game Chef Hank Shaw and our old friend and Elite Series Angler Alton Jones. Uh, by the way, don't forget to check out our entire online store. We've got a bunch of brand new T-shirts, hoodies, caps, even mugs available for you with some uh, catchy slogans like uh, smoke a pack a day if you like predator hunting or hey vegans lmoa that's all (laughs) so check it out you can find us at lonestaroutdoorsshow.com thanks for the support thanks for tuning in until next time i'm cable smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors